Good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space. My name is Lorraine Buckley, and as usual, I'm surrounded in the studio by f- some very fine people, some who are physically present and some who are joining us via Skype, which is wonderful. So first, we'll go to uh, a certain country in the world. Shane? Good morning, Are you still there? (laughs) (laughs) Just about. I'm trying not to choke here this morning. Of course. Our our wonderful blogger, Shane Ambrose, and uh, welcome to the program this morning. You're suffering from a bit of a cold this morning, Shane. Yeah, I'm not quite sure where. It's only after coming on kind of sudden as we were recording. I was actually fine before this. I need to sign. We need to do something else in the program this morning. <laughs> no problem at all. And we'll be coming back to you quite a lot in the program. So I suggest you have, you know, a little drinky of water too, or a little sprinkle of the holy water. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and also, good morning, John Keeley. Good morning to you, Lorraine. How are you? I'm very well, thank God. Thank God. Nice to see you. I don't need your bits and pieces out this morning. <laughs> Do a little bit of introduction. Indeed. Now, Great Anne, unfortunately, isn't with us this morning because she has another engagement. But she did ensure that we would light our common sea candle uh, before we began the programme so that we could ask the Holy Spirit to guide us for the next hour. And we would invite our listeners to do the same. In Sacred Space, what we try to do is spend some time, as you know, if you're a regular listener, with the Gospel every Sunday morning, and also to spend some time in reflection through either a, a talk or a meditation or by looking at what's going on in the world, in the church and <coughs> in our own parishes. So we invite you to treat this like a mini retreat every week, if you will. A special welcome to those who are sick and housebound, those who are lonely and maybe searching for some hope. Thank God January is over. We're into spring, although you wouldn't know from the weather outside. So we just pray that this hour will help you especially, any of you who are struggling in any particular way this morning, as you listen to please God what the Holy Spirit wants you to hear. Of course, our program is broadcast here on West Limerick 102 FM local radio each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And it's repeated again at 11 p.m. tonight. And we know that especially the 11 p.m. repeat is very popular with people locally because they might be out and about on a Sunday morning. A podcast of this program is available on our website, which is www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. Now, John, you have some very important information, actually. Yeah, just to let people know, I mean, as as we've mentioned for the last few weeks, um, thanks to the good work of Shane there, um, we're now accredited with iTunes, and so all all of our podcasts can indeed be be, uh, podcasted and can be heard through our iTunes, which is uh, apparently if you just go into iTunes and if you search for Come and See, you'll come to our podcast page, uh, to our, our iTunes page. Uh, and, of course, that's under Come and See Inspirations. Uh, Come and See Inspirations comes from uh, the name that we gave to our studio here a number of years ago, here in Ardicante Limerick. And just to advise people that part two and part three of the programme from now on, we're going to be a small little change. We're going to be introducing um, part two and part three of the programme as Come and See Inspirations. That's, this just makes it that little bit easier for us to identify the podcast on iTunes. The overall name of the programme will still stay as Sacred Space. We'll continue to broadcast interviews and talks in part two and read and reflect on the Gospel in part three. 
but just that little bit of a change in case people um, people just might be a little bit confused. Part two and part three of the programme will be introduced as Come and See Inspirations. I hope that's not too confusing. Not confusing at all. If you're anyway familiar with iTunes, by the way, please subscribe because if you subscribe, it means you don't have to go looking for the podcast every time. You just pop in, do a search under podcasts on iTunes for Come and See Inspirations, hit the subscribe button and every time you open your iTunes account, then if there's a new podcast out, it will automatically download to your podcast section of your iTunes. It's very handy. You can put it on your phone, you can put it on your iPod and take it take us out for a walk with you on a Sunday, maybe later on in the day. I tell you, so lucky to be surrounded by you <laughs> techie guys there between yourself and Shane. God bless you. Well done. Now, Shane, have we celestial guides or have they all abandoned us for Lent? Well, technically, yes, they have abandoned us for Lent. In the sense that, <laughs> of um, course, they haven't abandoned us. <laughs> in the sense that, of course, we keep commemorations of the mm-hmm. saints during Lent as opposed to full feast days. But I had to mention a couple that are on the calendar this week because there are a couple of new saints, Ooh. a new blesseds, who were only went through the processes of the church last year in 2017. So this is their year, this is their first year where we are celebrating their feast days. So I think it's important that we mark them. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> on the 19th of February, uh, we, have the fe- we have the feast day of Blessed John Sullivan. Now John Sullivan is the latest um, Irishman who has been uh, given the honour of beatification uh, in May 2017. And his beatification actually happened in St. Saviour's, Francis Saviour Church in Dublin, which was presided over by Cardinal Angelo Amato. He's a Jesuit. He was born and raised in the Church of Ireland, but converted um, because his mother was Catholic. And he, uh, he, he converted to Catholicism and joined the church in 1896. And he joined the Jesuits in 1900 and was ordained in 1907. So he is very much known for, he was involved very much with teaching in Clongos and for visiting the sick in their homes and in schools. So a very appropriate saint to remember for those of our listeners who are housebound at this time. Then on mm, Tuesday next, the 20th of February, another new saint on the calendar is one of the seers of Fatima. It is the first official feast day of as saint of Saint Jacinta Marto. She was the youngest visionary of Fatima in Portugal in 1917, and she was canonized last May by Pope Francis. So Jacinta is one of the seers, and she is the patron saint of people ridiculed for their piety, for prisoners, and for sick people as well. So that's just an interesting feast day that we celebrate on the 20th of February. On the 21st, then, we have uh, St. Peter Damien. He was a bishop, and he's also known as a doctor of the church. He lived in between 1007 and 1072, and he gave up teaching to become a hermit, and later he was made the Cardinal Bishop of Setia. Now, Setia is uh, one of the bishops, one of the bishoprics, just outside the city of Rome and is known as one of the suffragan sees of Rome. And generally, the dean of the College of Cardinals is also happens to be the Bishop of Ossetia. Um, he was an outstanding reformer of the church during his life, and uh, what's the reason he's on the calendar as a saint. Now, we have an unusual feast day on the 22nd of February this year, and it is the feast day of the chair of St. Peter. Now, people have kind of gone, why on earth do you have a feast day for the chair of St. Peter? Well, it stems from an ancient Roman tradition, whereby it was a celebration or a custom at this time to honour the ancestors of the family. 
and the feast celebrates Peter as Bishop of Rome and the focus of unity in the communion of one faith. And it's interesting because actually this week that's just gone by, um, we had a demonstration of that because in Rome during the week, the Greek Melchite Synod of Bishops visited Rome. Now the Melchites are are an Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox Church. They're a separate church but in communion with Rome. And they came back into communion with, uh, in, with Rome in the 1800s. They followed the Byzantine liturgy. But the interesting thing about it was a symbol of unity. They, the, the patriarch of the Greek Malachi Catholics celebrated Mass with Pope Francis during the week in the Dominus Martha Chapel, <coughs> where Pope Francis celebrates his daily Mass. So it just, it, it's, it's an interesting one. It links into that whole idea of the Petrine ministry as a symbol of unity for the Church. And, of course, fulfilling Christ's instruction to Peter that he would uh, strengthen his brothers in the faith. Then moving on, on the 23rd of February, um, <clears throat> which is Friday, we have the feast day of St. Polycarp, who was a bishop of Simna, or Izmir, in modern Turkey, born around the year 69, and he was, in a, he was an apostle of John the Apostle, and he was martyred in 155 AD. Again, he's a bishop and a martyr of the church, <clears throat> And then finally, on the 24th of February, we celebrate a feast day for an unusual one, or a, a commemoration, I should say, in Lent, for Blessed Josefa Neval Girbez. She was uh, Spanish, <clears throat> and she was a laywoman who, uh, very active in her local parish, opened a school for girls in her own home where she taught needlework and prayer, and she was a member of the Third Order of the Carmelites. And with a great devotion to the Virgin Mary. And she died in 1893 of natural causes. And she was beatified by John Paul II in 1988. <clears throat> so that's, that's just, it's just an interesting one. It was one I picked off the calendar because she was a laywoman. Uh, as opposed to, because once, often when we go through the calendar of the saints, there's a lot of religious, there's a lot of bishops, there's a lot of martyrs. And I just thought that one was an interesting one because it was something that John Paul II promoted when he was canonizing saints was those that were not religious in particular, but ordinary laymen and women. So um, I just thought that was an interesting one for just this week's On the Calendar. Obviously, then next Sunday is the second Sunday of Lent. Now, just a reminder to people, as it is the first week of Lent, we are into the traditional practices of forms of, of the Friday penances. And the Irish Bishops' Conference in 2010 uh, encouraged Irish Catholics to abstain from meat or some other food on a Friday, particularly during Lent, uh, to abstain from alcoholic drink or smoking, and make a special involvement for family prayer and participate in Mass or visiting the Blessed Sacrament or the station, doing the Stations of the Cross, especially during the Lenten season. And just, uh, and, you know, it hasn't, it, 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 they, it was an interesting thing, you know, they, it was one thing that was very much associated with Catholics before the Vatican Council, that, you know, Friday was a fast day, and then they kind of relaxed it, and it's kind of a reminder to us, you know, it's something we should consider just for the good that it does us, not because we have, we have to do it. And just, uh, just that's a reminder, during the Linton season, it's encouraged again. So, Lorraine, that is our Celestial Guides for this week. Obviously, if we're praying the Psalter, it is week one on the Psalter, and it is obviously the first week of Lent for 2018. Excellent. Thank you very much, Shane. And John, you have one notice for us this week. Yes, our good friend, Sister Phyllis Moynihan from the Sisters of Mercy there in Westbourne, she has another uh, desert day, and this one will take, play in, play, take place in Westbourne Avenue, or Westbourne Ashbourne Avenue, on Saturday the 24th of 
February from 10.30am to 5pm. The day will give you an opportunity, she says, to enter more deeply into the season of Lent in the peaceful surroundings of Westbourne Convent. There will be time for quiet prayer, reflection, the Sacrament of Reconciliation, and it will conclude with Eucharist. Bookings are essential, so Sister Phyllis asks us to contact her on 87 963 6893 that's 087 963 or you can email her at yahoo.co.uk Excellent and I would highly recommend those days I, I have a couple of friends who typically go to them mm. and they say it's a wonderful time a wonderful time out and time for the Lord which we will be discussing more in part two now yes just to remind people, of course, about uh, the Lent, Lent uh, Sundays at Glenstall Abbey. Last Sunday, of course, we had Father Luke McNamara on the program. And just to remind people that during the six Sundays of, of Lent, uh, there will be explorations of the Sunday of the readings from the Easter Vigil at 4.30 on Sundays in Glenstall Abbey Library. And people are invited to attend the evening Vespers with the community afterwards. So just as Father Luke was on the programme last week, just to remind people that that's going on in Glenstall for the next six weeks. Of course. And we do say, just keep an eye out and an ear out in the newsletters in um, parishes during the Lenten season and even into Eastertide because uh, the series of catechesis, now catechesis is a big word, but it just means kind of faith formation or handing on the faith. The series on Amoris Laetitia or the joy of love, which is how we live our family life in the Catholic uh, Church and how we can support families and marriages in the Catholic Church. Those talks will be going on at different times in different places and different parishes and pastoral areas. So do please pay attention to your newsletters in the upcoming weeks. Now, just as we come to the end of this part of our programme, as we do every week, we have our spiritual communion prayer. And why do we pray a spiritual communion prayer? Well, maybe not all of you can get out to Mass in the morning. Maybe it's been a while since you've been able to come to Mass. For no fault of your own, maybe you're housebound um, or maybe you're seriously ill. And this is just one little way in which we can unite ourselves with the Lord. Of course, we can pray a spiritual communion prayer any time of the day and night and as many times during the day and night that we wish. So we invite you to pray with us. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. And our first piece of music this morning from Melinda Dimitrescu is Come and Fill This Temple. So let's have a listen to this.
Sacred Space. So welcome back again to another edition of Come and See Inspirations. Again, it's coming to you from Ada County Limerick in Ireland. And each week we reflect with invited guests on various faith topics, both universal and, and local. And today on our programme, we have our own Shane Ambrose, who's going to share with us a reflection on Lent. Thanks, Shane. Where are you going to go with this? <laughs> I don't know, John. I'll tell you when I get to the end of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so on this week's programme, obviously, we are going to, we are going to look at uh, a reflection on Lent. And obviously, of course, this Sunday is the first Sunday of Lent. And it's the opportunity for us to take a moment this morning and obviously following up as well on last Sunday's programme where we had uh, a, a few thoughts from Father Luke McNamara from Glenstall who also uh, took us through some of the things about Lent. So there's a small degree of overlap. You know, there's only so many ways you can talk about Lent, after all. But before we do that, John, um, what we're going to start off with on this morning's second part of the program is we're actually going to start with the Sunday Gospel. So, John, if I could ask you if you could say the prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture, and then Lorraine is going to read the Gospel for us. Okay, Shane. So, the prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So our Gospel this morning is from the first chapter of the Gospel according to St. Mark, verses 12 to 15. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness, and he remained there for forty days and was tempted by Satan. He was with the wild beasts, and the angels looked after him. After John had been arrested, Jesus went into Galilee. There he proclaimed the good news from God. The time has come, he said, and the kingdom of God is close at hand. Repent and believe the good news. It's an extraordinarily short account of the temptations, Shane, isn't it, in Mark's Gospel? Yeah, unfortunately, and listeners will notice this over the next couple of months, when it comes to doing the Gospel reflections, um, it, Mark really does put it up to you, uh, and puts it up to us on the programme, because it's very brief and very succinct, and he doesn't give you a whole lot there to kind of grapple with. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty blunt. So, like, if you look at this morning's gospel, it's pretty much about six or seven lines. That's it, and and in it, of course, it sums up uh, the the reason or the tradition or, if you like, the idea that supports this preparation for Easter, which is this idea of forty days of fasting. Um, it's the first Sunday of gospel. It's the first Sunday of Lent, rather. 
and it is the it is the traditional gospel that is presented on the first Sunday of Lent. Whichever gospel is being used for that particular year, the account of Jesus going into the desert and being tempted is the is the gospel that we hear. And Marx is very you know is very simple. It's Jesus was driven out into the desert after or out into the wilderness it's called after he was baptized in the Jordan by John. And we had the theophany and the voice of his father saying, this is my son, the beloved. So, you know, he, he's out into the wilderness. He's taken time out to understand what has happened to him and in preparation, obviously, for his public ministry. And he remained there for 40 days. And, of course, the great tradition around the 40 days is that it has a great resonance throughout the Old Testament. Now, we don't actually know whether or not Jesus stayed in the desert for 40 days. Uh, whether he fasted completely for 40 days was obviously that's quite a trial but the point that's being made by the evangelists when they are recounting this event is of course the linkage and the idea back to the old testament when the, the people of god you know that the chosen people were brought out of slavery they were brought out of egypt across the desert to sinai and, and on to the promised land by god and they traveled in the desert for 40 years there's also, you know, that, that whole resonance of 40 was, all, was a, again and again, it comes, acro it comes across uh, throughout the Old Testament in particular. For, it came up in terms of Noah, particular, you know, in the time in the ark after the flood, and all the way through. And here again, it's picked up. And the idea is it gives an idea of a long period of time, a period of preparation. And it's that idea, you know, during this time, Jesus was tempted by Satan. And obviously, as we know, Christ is like us in all things except sin. So, the, you know, as as Paul tells us, and it's 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 a you know, it was something there in terms of you know the preparation that he was to be given for the challenges he was to face during his public ministry. Um, and he was with the wild beasts, but that the angels looked after him. And I think that's, you know, it, again, it reminds us of that line from Scripture, you know, that the lamb will let sit uh, from the Psalms, where the lamb will sit down with the lion. Uh, and, and that idea that he was looked out, he was he was with the wild beasts. It's not that he was, you know, it, it just says he was with them. It doesn't say he was in fear of them. He says he was with them, which I think is an interesting thing. And it's a reminder to us that, and it links in very much again, I suppose, with the teachings of Pope Francis in the last couple of years, that this idea of communion with the earth and Laudato Si, that we need to reconnect with the wider environment. And it is that whole idea of reconnection which Lent presents for us. As Father Luke said last week, it presents us with an opportunity to link back within with ourselves, to link back in with our God, and to link back in with our wider community. Now, when I was you know, reflecting on this during the week and trying to see, well, where would we go with this and what would we talk about, there was two things that actually kept coming up again and again on my online feed, which I thought to myself, to myself now, ah, the Holy Spirit here is talking. And one of the first things that came up was this idea of letting Lent be God's. As you know, letting Lent belong to God and let God be God. And it's an interesting idea because sometimes I suppose for Catholics what we do is we see Lent as a chance for new New Year's resolutions, if you like. You know, this opportunity where we're going to approach the traditional practices of prayer, almsgiving and fasting, you know, in terms of what it can do to transform ourselves. And I suppose the question then, you know, maybe it should rather be with an eye to what God wants to do in order to transform, uh, transform us rather than us transforming ourselves, if that's not too confusing for people. You know, too often Lent is kind of like that New Year's, New Year's resolution, you know, to give up a particular bad habit or to share more with the poor. But, you know, it's not about self-improvement. 
Lent is a time of conversion. It's that whole idea of metanoia, that term we've used again and again in the program, and it's that idea of turning back to God, and where, you know, God is in charge of our conversion, not us. And it's that idea of making space and allowing God to be God in our lives. And I suppose that's one of the challenges that Lent presents to us every year, is to make that space available. Now, people say to me, Shane, you know, grand, it's fine. Listen, I'm saying an extra prayer. I put money into my chocolate box. I'm actually going to Mass on the Sunday tournament. Listen, what more can I do? But I suppose that's the whole challenge that's put out there in front of us. Because, you know, people often say, you know, if you go to a funeral, one of the most common um, readings that are at a funeral is that letter from Paul to Timothy. And you know that great line where it says, you know, I have run the race, I have fought the fight, and I will, in, I will now inherit the crown. I can't think of the exact quote, Lorraine, but you know the one I'm mm-hmm. talking about. I do, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's that whole idea. Christianity is not seen as something that's safe and, and uh, easy to do. If you go back to the fathers and mothers of the church, so these would have been the leaders of the Christian community after the apostles, particularly in the deserts of Egypt and in the deserts around the Holy Land. And again and again, the idea of Christianity is presented as a challenge, as something that's not easy to do. And that is something I think that we've kind of lost, particularly in an Irish context where kind of it was a societal thing where Christianity was kind of, we were supported by everybody else doing this, whether they believed it or not, but that was kind of the societal support that was there. And that's one of the great challenges that's presented to us in the modern world, where we no longer have that consensus in wider society. The idea to being a Christian today is very much a decision that a person has to make individually and then turn to God to support that prayer. So now in the society that we're in, more and more our prayer should be, God, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And Lent provides us with an opportunity where we can explore that and allow God to strengthen that belief that's within us. You know, after all, Lent is a preparation for the season of Easter. And, you know, and in Easter, we say and we believe and we profess that Jesus came to save us despite ourselves. And, you know, we just looked at the example of Peter, who swears black and blue he's going to defend the Lord and ends up betraying him. You know, so, you know, whereas, you know, you contrast that with the thief on the cross who, you know, ends up being the first person into heaven. And it's just something that we have to prepare for and think about and reflect on. But then the other side of that is also the challenge that's there in terms of, well, what does that mean if I open myself up? And I came across a great quote during the week. Now, the problem is it's been attributed to Pope Benedict XVI, but I think he was actually quoting John Paul II. And he said, you know, it's a great quote, and I'm actually going to read it in full, so just bear with me and just think about it and listen to it for the moment. And it says, Are we not perhaps all afraid in some ways? If we let Christ enter fully into our lives, if we open ourselves totally to him, are we not afraid that he might take something away from us? Are we not perhaps afraid to give up something significant, something unique, something that makes life so beautiful? But do we, not, do we then not risk ending up diminished and deprived of our freedom? And once again, the Pope says, no. If we let Christ into our lives, we lose nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing of what makes life free, what makes life beautiful, what makes life great. Only in this friendship are the doors of life opened wide. Only in this friendship 
is the great potential of human existence, what we are truly called to be, truly revealed to us. Only in this acceptance do we truly become the image of God that Genesis tells us that we are. You know, the Pope then goes on to say, only in this friendship do we experience beauty and liberation and freedom. And so today, with great strength and great conviction, on the basis of long personal experience of life, I say to you, dear young people, do not be afraid of Christ. He takes nothing away and he gives you everything. When we give ourselves to him, we receive a hundredfold in return. Open, open wide the doors to Christ and you will find true life. And for me, I think that's going to be my meditatio, my meditation, my lexio over the Lenten season. Because it's a reminder to us that we need to be courageous. And sometimes that's not a very easy thing to do in the lives and in what we lead. And it's something I think, Lorraine, maybe that we could reflect on and focus on, I suppose, uh, over the Linton season. And it also leads me into something else which struck me as well during the week, which was that, you know, sometimes that call of being open and responding is a response to the love of God. And it was interesting, in the National Gallery in Ireland, in Dublin, over the month of January, there was an exhibition of Ireland's favourite painting, which is, of course, the meeting on the turret stairs by Burton. And it's that beautiful, um, iconic image of a woman on the stairs and her lover, her, her, her lover grasping her, uh, her arm as they pass. And it's a very romantic image. And, of course, it's very much based on a um, Nordic, Scandinavian t- tale of star-crossed lovers, a bit, a bit like Romeo and Juliet. But I suppose one of the things that struck me about that painting, and it strikes me every Lent, actually, that I think about it, and it is this idea of it's like the encounter with Christ. And it's the reminder to us that the encounter with the Lord is an encounter of love. You know, as Pope Benedict said, we're called to open wide and our, open wide our hearts. And it's when we do that that we are at most at risk. <clears throat> you know, opening wide our arms, opening wide our heart, it reminds us very much Christ opened his arms on the cross. He opened his arms on the cross to embrace all of creation to embrace each one of us, to embrace all of the cosmos. And it is that kind of an image that we have to be aware of, because as the painting by Burton reminds us, you know, love is a very fragile thing. And there's a beautiful little part of the painting which some people might not notice, and that is there is a flower on the turret stairs, like a very delicate blossom, which by virtue of falling out of the woman's hands has already broken uh, because it's so fragile. And that's, that's almost what love is like in terms of dealing with God. And one of the things that we could reflect on in that time is, of course, the beautiful Song of Songs from Solomon, where, which, is a, which is a love story. And it is, it's an analogy. It is, uh, it is uh, between the love of God and the love that he has for his chosen people and he has for each of us. But what I particularly find about that painting and it's something again that Pope Benedict reminds us is that you know these words and particularly um, you know arise my love my fair one and come away you know it reminds us with remarkable clarity of the heart of the Christian faith which is that the Christian image of God um, poses a question for us you know we have come to know and to believe in the love of God, God has for us and that is the question do we know of the have we do we believe of the love of that God has for each one of us. And for me, I think that is what Lent is about. 
you know, that painting is about passion, it's about desire, and the question for each one of us this Linton season is where is our passion? Where is our drive and our desire for love? You know, why is it that the Celtic temperament and the drama of Christian love has been subdued within us? You know, particularly in Ireland, where is the energy and the outpouring of desire for great the greatness of life? And it goes back again to that idea, you know, we're almost afraid to recognize that I am my beloved's, his desire is for me. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the fields. You know, we have to ask ourselves the questions, why do we not cry out and ask God to set a seal upon our heart as a seal upon his arm? For love is as strong as death, jealousy is cruel as the grave. And again, it goes back, you know, this Linton season, I suppose the thing for us is, do we dare take the risk? Do we dare take the opportunity? Do we dare take the challenge, as Pope Benedict said to us, of opening ourselves up, of opening wide the doors to Christ to find true life? And ultimately, then, the response to that, you know, letting Lent be God's for him to do with us as he wishes. Wow. <laughs> That, that is wonderful, Shane, and it's so true. And I think the reason why we have such a difficulty in letting God and letting go is that I suppose our experience of love in this life, unfortunately for many people, is very much of conditional love. I will love you yeah. if you jump through ABC. Whereas we just can't get our heads around the unconditional love and mercy that God has for us. Mm. And so because we've been hurt in this life through many different reasons for whatever they are and they're personal to each of us, it is very, very hard then sometimes to trust God, to trust mm. in that love and in that mercy. And that mm. if I lose my job or if the marriage breaks down or if there is a serious bereavement in the family, that there is some greater plan behind it or there is there is love at the heart of it and maybe maybe that's the challenge for Lent is to as Father Luke said last week to reconnect with God and to make that prayer Lord I believe help my unbelief Mm. it's 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 something I suppose you know Lent is a time for us to remind ourselves of it because you know just going back to that painting for a moment you know um God seeks to embrace us. And I think it's an expression, Lorraine, you and I used to use in the program quite a lot. You know, God is very near to us. All we have to do is turn back to him again and again. Mm -hmm. That whole call to metanoia. And, you know, it's that expression, that idea, that beautiful concept of, you know, he willing to embrace us gently like a father. You know, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to hear a number of stories, or sorry, accounts from the gospel. And one of them will include the, um, the prodigal son. And it's just, again, it's that idea that it's about, it's a gentle, embracing love that is there for mm. us. You know, Lent can be presented, <coughs> excuse me, Lent can be presented as, you know, a harsh penitential season. And in some sense, you know, perhaps we need that harshness to jar us out of the comfort zones that we can be in, you know, um, and, and, and for some of us, maybe that's necessary. But also, it's a reminder to us that, you know, particularly I'm conscious of people that are listening this morning that, you know, are stuck at home, cannot get out because of the weather, because it's been horrific for the last couple of weeks, but also those that are stuck because of um, illness in particular. And I suppose it's a reminder to them that they are not forgotten and that they're not alone. And I suppose it's easier said than done in many respects, but 
it's 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 that reminder that we try to give every Sunday on the program to people that as we delve into the lecture that we do, be it through the gospel or through poetry or through reflections that we do, are encouraging people to do it through yes, you know, for example, the reflection this morning on that painting. It's the idea to remind people that there are ways to make moments to encounter the divine. Like we're not all going to have locutions and apparitions. You know, it's you know this year is the 160th anniversary of the apparition in Lourdes, for example. We're not all going to be Bernadette Burris, you know. But each of us, in our own time, we have those moments for divine conversation. We have those moments where we encounter the divine in the everyday. The you know, as someone else said, it's the everyday divine in our lives, and it is that I suppose finding the space to recognize those moments of encounter that I suppose gives us the hope and consoles us and strengthens us for the journey because Lent and life is very much a journey um, you know it's 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 a journey through a veil of tears you know that's that's our that's our experience of it it's it's a journey where things will be tough it's not going to be simple because if it was simple we'd already be in heaven and um, you know life 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 is a journey a life and li- what can be thrown at you can be difficult you know, we see much suffering in the world. You know, I'm just thinking this week, the war is still going on in Syria. You know, now Iran and Israel have been mm-hmm. dragged into it. If we look at still what's going on in South Sudan, the largest refugee camp in the world at this moment in time is on the South Sudan-Uganda border, a forgotten, you know, uh, episode in our lives. If we look at what's going on in DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo, where at this moment in time, priests and bishops have actually been arrested because they have been trying to defend their flock from the vagrancies of the government in control. If we look at what's happening in North Korea, if we look at what's happening in Yemen, where children are starving, if you look around the world, the world seems to be a very desperate place at the moment. But the reminder to us always is, it's for those that lived through it at that time, it always looks desperate, but the message and the message for Christians approaching Easter is to not lose hope. Mm-hmm. We have put away the Alleluia's for six weeks, but the song that we sing, we are an Easter people, and Alleluia is our song. And that is something that we have to remind ourselves again and again, over life, through life, and in particular during the Lenten season, that we are people of hope, that we are called to be people of hope, we are called to be people of love, and we are called to open wide our hearts to Christ. And on that note, Shane, as you mentioned songs, we're going to go to a piece of music because we need to take another break. We're going to take The Clouds Fail by Father Liam Lawton. So let's have a listen to this. Even though the rain hides the stars Even though the mist swirls the Dark clouds fill the sky You are by my side Even when the sun shall fall in sleep Even when at dawn the sky shall weep Even in the night when storms shall rise Bye. 
Sacred space. So welcome back again to Come and See Inspirations, the th- third third part of our program here uh, on Sacred Space each Sunday morning. And Shane, to continue on some of our reflections early on, uh, I know we, we, we spoke about the Gospel, we spoke about Lent, uh, but speaking about Lent, you just reminded us that the Pope also gives us a, a reflection or some thoughts for Lent to take away. Would you mm. like to- yes, so Pope Francis, um, well, the Pope every year issues a message for the Lenten season. And it is something, I suppose, for us to reflect and to think about as we journey through Lent as well. And this year, the message from Pope Francis has a theme of, because of the increase of iniquity, the love of many will grow cold. And it's it's a challenging enough um, message. Um, Francis can be a bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, apoplectic? Mm-hmm. Uh, ap- apocalyptic, no, sorry, apocalyptic is the word I'm looking for sometimes in the way he approaches things. Um, but he reminds us, I suppose, that in our preparation for Easter, you know, we, we are offered every year this season of Lent as a sacramental sign of our conversion. And it summons us to come back to the Lord wholeheartedly and in every aspect of our life. And I suppose it's the reminder to us, I suppose, that again and again, you know, we need to be aware as we journey through life. Uh, the Pope reminds us not to, to, to be on the lookout for false prophets. And this is something actually which he's picked up quite a bit in the last number of weeks in terms of speeches that he's given, addresses that he's given, his, his, his Angelus address on Sundays as well. You know, we have to be aware of these so-called snake charmers who try to manipulate human emotions. And he's just reminding us that, you know, as God's children, that we are not mesmerized by momentary pleasures and mistaking them for kind of true happiness. Mm-hmm. And it's a good reminder, actually, from Pope Francis, I suppose, just, you know, in this world where there's so much happening in terms of social media and all mm-hmm. the rest mm-hmm. of it, just that we need sometimes to turn them off. Mm-hmm. Like, I would suppose, going back to what I was saying, I suppose, Lorraine, in the second part of the program was that, you know, finding those moments to encounter the divine sometimes means we have to make that bit, little bit of an extra effort. And maybe that might be a case of turning off the radio for half an hour or turning off the phone for half an hour or whatever the case might be. Um, like I know myself in the morning that when I get up and after I've listened to the news at the top of the hour, I just turn the radio off because, well, it's part of my routine to try and wake up and get into the day. But <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, 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 I kind of realize I can't deal with too much 
uh, noise straight away in the day. I have mm. to ease myself into the day. Mm. And I suppose it's, it's something that we need to kind of to, to, to recognize in ourselves, I to create that sp- space. The other thing that the whole idea of false prophets reminds me a little bit about, Shane, especially in kind of social media circles or internet circles, but unfortunately more and more so in mainstream journalism as well, is that whole idea of fake news and who, mm. who do we actually listen to? And when we hear or read something online, do we look at what the facts are behind it? You know, Pope Francis says ABC. Well, did he really mm. say it? And in what context yeah. did he say it? And mm. what were the circumstances? Yeah, it's it's a sad it's a sad reflection, I suppose, on modern media that it's getting to the stage that where you read a story, you actually need to read it a news story, for example. Mm-hmm. You need to read it from three or two or three sources to triangulate the information to get to the root of it mm. uh, because sometimes it can it can be twisted but i suppose it's a reminder to us when pope francis says that you know lent is an opportunity for us to seek what he calls the soothing remedy of prayer alms giving and fasting mm. and you know and it's 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 that medicine of truth that's offered to us in the lenten season and he says by devoting more time to prayer we enable our hearts to root out our secret lies and forms of self-deception, which is not easy, you know. Um, it, it goes back to what we were saying in the second part, that idea of, you know, opening ourselves up. It also means having to be honest about ourselves mm-hmm. as well, which isn't, a, it isn't an easy thing to do by any stretch of the imagination, you know. And there's that reminder about giving, and it links back to what Father Luke said last Sunday, where... You know, the traditional three activities of Lent, which is prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, are not for our betterment. You're not, you're not, you're not, say, putting money aside so that you're going to have a huge party at the end of Easter. The idea is that almsgiving sets us free from greed Mm -hmm. and helps us to regard our neighbors as our brothers and sisters, Mm -hmm. which is why that great tradition of the Trocra box is such a, a good reminder to us, particularly in an Irish context. And it reminds us that what I possess is never mine alone. You know, I think it was St. Ambrose of Milan that said, what we own, we have borrowed from the poor. And it's just, it's, you know, we have to see how I would like, or what Pope Francis says, rather, is I would like to, I would like almsgiving to become a genuine style of life for each of us. How I would like us as Christians to follow the example of the apostles and see in the sharing of our possessions a tangible witness of the communion that ours is, that is ours in the church you know, so it's 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 just something which we need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Then the other thing that he he reminds us of is the idea of fasting, you know, which weakens our tendency to violence because it disarms us and becomes an important opportunity for growth, and it allows us to experience what the destitute and the starving have to endure. But on the other side, it also expresses our own, if you like, spiritual hunger and thirst for life in God. And there was, um, there was an interesting picture online during the week, I don't know if you saw it, of eight novices in the mother house of the Missionaries of Charity in Calcutta. And the Missionaries of Charity in Calcutta, that's Mother Teresa's congregation, and they were in adoration before the Blessed Sacrament. But in the, in the mother house, and I understand it's in all chapels of the Missionaries of Charity, there was a big um, crucifix, cross, uh, painted on the back wall, and under, underneath is written the words, I thirst. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that reminder to us. It's the words of Christ on the cross, and that we, you know, Mother Teresa had this thing that we should seek to, you know, sate or quench the thirst of Christ, 
because he's thirsty for truth and justice and freedom and love from each one of us. Mm. Really beautiful, Shane. I came across a Lenten Reflection by Father Mike Schmitz. You might know him from YouTube. He has a lot of uh, videos up there by Ascension Press. And he was speaking about, you know, making our prayer, fasting and almsgiving real um, during Lent, not, you know, just giving up sweets because it's Lent or whatever. And what really struck me about the almsgiving part is because he said, really, when we're thinking about giving alms to other people, we should be giving out of our need, not out of our surplus. So we don't throw the few coppers into the chokra box. We make a concerted and genuine effort to say, okay, I am setting aside this amount of money, or if we don't have money, because we know that money is tight for a lot of families at the moment, not everybody has recovered from the recession and a lot of people are crippled by debt. Giving aside a certain amount of time every week and committing that, gifting that to the Lord so that he can make use of it. And I think the same can go with the prayer and the fasting. It's not, okay, I'll I'll just fit in an extra whatever. But to make that genuine time and space for the Lord in our prayer life and in our fasting, whatever form that fasting might take. Unfortunately, we're coming very rapidly to the end of our program, John. We are, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but Shane, I was just going to ask you, really we've got about 30 seconds, maybe a minute, but... Uh, maybe a quick comment on what we've heard from Pope Benedict. Pope Benedict XVI, yes. Um, in case people hadn't seen or read about it, um, as you know, Pope Benedict has been in uh, seclusion in a monastery on the grounds of the Vatican, uh, Vatican City State since he stepped down five years ago, actually, this month, John. He stepped down on the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes on the 11th of February 2013. Mm. And the reports this week, he, Pope Benedict had written a personal letter to one of the main Italian papers. And what he spoke about was the fact that basically he's on his last journey. And basically it's an acknowledgement that he is fading. Um, he's 90 years of age and physically he is quite frail. And he's, he's, as he puts it himself, he is on a pilgrimage towards home. And I suppose it's just something for us to remember, I suppose, um, you know, that he, he, he's just to pray for him, I suppose. You know, he, is, he was a pope. He was one of the great theologians and thinkers of the Catholic Church in the 20th century. And, um, and also he, he was one of the most, in some ways, forward thinking popes in many of the things that he did. And I firmly believe that he will be regarded as one of the future doctors of the church myself mm-hmm. in terms of his contribution towards theology and the development of, of a coherent structure and encounter with faith in the modern world. But just uh, that was that was the thing he, he wrote to the paper and he said uh, he's on this is why I, um, he, he's on a pilgrimage. I am on a pilgrimage towards home. It's a great grace for me to be surrounded in this last uh, sometimes a little tiring piece of road by such love and goodness that I could not have imagined. And um, this is why I cannot be grateful, assuring you all of my prayers and best regard, Benedict, uh, Pope Emeritus. Um, so it's just just something uh, just to remember uh, in our prayers this week. And of course, we often re- we also remember Pope Francis, uh, who, of course, is <laughs> trying to sail the brack of Peter through very turbulent waters 
at these times. Indeed. Thank you very much, Shane, for your thoughts and for your thought provoking reflections this morning. Unfortunately, as usual, we're out of time. If you have any comments or suggestions about the development of our program, or if you want to contact us for any reason, you can email John directly at sacredspace102 at gmail.com or you can indeed contact with Limerick 102 FM at 0696 200. Mm. There we go. Mm. Uh, our final piece of music this morning is a beautiful piece by Mark Forrest and it's called Stir My Heart. So until next week, God bless. Bye bye. 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 Sacred Space.